We're continuing our series, uh, Fruitfulness on the Front Lines, and today we're focusing on uh, making good work. Have your Bibles open uh, or your phones on to your Bible passage. I want to read the first four verses of Colossians chapter 3. We, we, we looked at this, these verses last week. I just want to bring them back to our attention because it's where I got my sermon title, Raised with Christ, but we're living on earth. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you feel attention. This tension, you're raised with Christ. If you've put your faith in Christ as your Savior, as the one who took away your sins by believing in him, then you feel this tension because God has graciously moved you from darkness, from the kingdom of darkness, from a kingdom that's leading you to death and destruction to a kingdom of light and life that never ends with God and his glory. You feel that tension, and by God's grace then, you're called as a child of God, man, woman, child, teen, to live for Christ, to, to grow in your faith and to show off a little bit more of Christ's likeness every day, every month, every year, a growing as we come together to do that. This is a work of God's grace. So there's this wonderful position that we have in Christ, children of God. But, we're living on earth. <laughs> we battle living heaven's values out in this world because we're tempted and we, we fall into temptation. We, we live the old way. We go back to the dark way sometimes. And, and God keeps pulling us back. He pours his life into us through the spirit of God that he gives us to live out heaven's ways. But there's this tension. We're always in this battle. We sung about it today. The battle between light and darkness. And then there's that verse that Mary Jo read, verse 17 of chapter 3 in Colossians. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the theme verse for the days. Practical ways for us to live out heaven's values on earth. Last week we talked about being clothed with Christ, about putting on the virtues or the character of Christ, and we can do it by the power of God through faith. It's a tall order to put on Jesus' compassionate heart, his kindness, his humility, his meekness, meekness is power that's under control, his patience, his bearing with sinners, his forgiving uh, sinners. And we have to bear with one another because we're sinful and we have to forgive one another again and again. And you might remember if you were here last week that we talked about King David and how he had been following God. God had been leading him in his paths of righteousness for, for God's glory. You know, that's taken from Psalm 23, by the way. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's another way of expressing God putting on Christ's clothes, 
his righteousness, his, his clothes of righteousness. And David was going astray and God graciously sent Abigail to like turn his head to say, David, you're going the wrong way. You need to get your head, your heart and your hands moving in the right direction before you do something foolish. So God's mercy provides us with the power to live and to do good work in our everyday in the name of Christ. God gives us his spirit to guide us. God gives us his word to instruct us. God gives us one another to help us along the way to go back and get on the right path. So today, here's what we're going to do. Something kind of different. Going to just review real quickly the big picture, talk about our mission as a church and the six M's and the number two M is on the board today, making good work. We're going to talk about being Christ-centered in our everyday. We're going to talk about whole life discipleship in all our relationships, and we're going to focus on the family for a few minutes, and then we're going to talk about prayer. So that's where we're going today. So the big picture, John 15. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there. Who is Jesus? Well, Colossians reminds us, the Apostle Paul does in chapter 1, that Jesus is the agent of creation. In, in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, Jesus is the uh, agent of creation. He created all things. And he's also the agent or the one who saves us. In Colossians 1, 19 and 20, uh, the word of God tells us that the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. And through him, through Christ, we are reconciled, whether in heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross, Christ saved us. John 15 reminds us that we can't do anything apart from Christ. We need to remain in him or abide in him, be in relationship with him. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, so you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing that lasts. Nothing that has eternal impact. But in Christ, through faith in Christ, our lives can have impact now for God's glory and then they will stand forever. Christ's call. Verse 15 of John 15, I call you friends, for I've told you everything that my Father told me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Really, God, you want to use me? You know, Moses stood at the Red Sea. Who opened the Red Sea? It was God. It's God's power and might. But you know what's amazing? He did that through Moses. 
through Moses raising that rod, through Moses' faith and believing in his God. That's God's way. It's always by God's power and might, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's always God at work, and yet it's God's way using people who trust in him and believe in him to show off his glory, to work through him. And Jesus is calling you and me to be partners with him in his work to make his kingdom here on earth so that people get a taste of it so that when Jesus comes back, they're ready to enter into it in all its fullness and glory. He appoints people like Moses to do it, like Esther to do it, people like you and me to do it. And that's amazing, isn't it? It's God's way. That's who we are if you are a follower of Christ. God wants to use you on your front lines where you live your life, where you work, where you play, where you live to be an influence for Christ. Real quickly, Mark, it's time for the slides, right? Help me out. It's in my notes. So this is what we're going to do. What's our mission here? To make disciples who know, love, and serve God in all contexts of life. That's our, that's our mission as a church. We believe Jesus has given us this mission. It's called the Great Commission. And we have the head, the heart, and the hands. We want to know God. We want to love God. We want to serve God. We need to know him through the scriptures. We want his truth to get into our soul so that it changes our thinking. And then it will affect what we do. And the six M's, just a reminder, modeling godly character. That's what we looked at last week, being clothed with Christ. And today, our focus is on making good work. So let's take a few minutes to look at that. And then we're going to hear from a couple of your friends in the congregation about how God is challenging them on their front lines. So we need to be Christ-centered in our every day. Back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And look at verse 23. It kind of repeats that thought. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So there's nothing too small that God doesn't want to use in your life for his glory, to reveal a little bit about who Jesus is in all his glories. There's nothing too small that God can't use in our lives to bring glory to him. I don't know if you noticed when Mary Jo was reading the scriptures this morning, but there's 10 verses, verse 17 through verse 4-1 of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 4-1. How many times was Lord repeated? Well, I can tell you, seven, <laughs> okay? If you count master in verse four, or chapter four, verse one, you also have a master in heaven. It's mentioned that many times, so do everything in the name of the Lord. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting, what? In the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. And it just goes on and on. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. What's it mean to do something in the name of the Lord? There's various interpretations. Probably one is that you recognize Jesus' authority in everything. But I think the best one is this. 
mentions it. The best interpretation is that we understand we are acting as Jesus's representatives. So no, wh wherever we go, we are a representative of Christ. Take a look at this room. Yeah, go ahead, look around. Do you consider it to be a holy place, a set-apart place, a special place to draw near to God, to speak to God, to have God speak to you? That's good. That's good thinking. Yeah, this is kind of a, we set this room apart to worship God together, to come together and pray together, to learn together, to leave here in spirit, even though we're scattered together because we're bonded together in Christ. So it's a holy place. It's a good place. But it's not the only place where Jesus is to be Lord, right? Church time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he should be Lord. <laughs> But what about your screen time and what you say in social media time and what you do at work and school and on the field or in your rec time? Working in the name of Jesus, doing, making good work in Jesus' name means as best as I can, better than uh, it'll pass. <laughs> you know, good enough for government work is the joke. See your home the same way. You know, and it's interesting, isn't it, that when, when Paul writes about setting and doing everything in the name of the Lord, whether whatever you do in word or deed, and then what comes next? Where's, where's the front line in the context here? It's at home. <laughs> wow. But before we go to the home, one of Tom Copeland Welcome, Tom Copeland. He's going to come up and just share a little short testimony about his front line at his workplace and how he's been challenged to think about how God wants to use him there. So, Tom, come and share. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. You can take this off here. So, um, yeah, my name is Tom Copeland. I work at a small private school called Center School in Abington. Uh, PA. The, the school is for students who have learning difference. Some have ADD, some have ADHD, and some students have dyslexia, which is a learning disorder characterized by difficult, uh, difficulty reading. The story is about a young girl who was a seventh grader at my school. From the moment I met this girl, I knew there was something special about her. We would always talk about a variety of things, and we used to do this at recess time, not during class time. Um, and now, in a school setting, you can't just start talking to students about God or Jesus. So I just can't just start up a conversation. So one day, she comes in wearing a shirt that says, Jesus is my rock, and that is how I roll. So that was my in. Okay? So then I started to talk to her regularly at recess and found out a lot about her, which I'm going to share. Um, so I could talk to her about her faith in Jesus, she lives with her father, who is a non-believer, but also goes to her mom's house on weekends, and her mom is the one who takes her to church. What happened next was pretty amazing, since I have never encountered anything like this in the 25 years at Center School. So around the holidays, um, this girl hands me a bag, but tells me not to open it until I get home. 
So when I got home, I opened a bag, and this is what she gave me. Now, I know you're not going to be able to see this, but I'm going to read it to you. So she, she made this. She made this plaque, and she wrote on it. And, and she wrote on it, John, love one another, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. God love in his people. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God, that loveth not knoweth God for his love. And it and continues as a few more lines. So I was like, I was blown away by that. I'm like, wow, that's unbelievable. She gave that to me. And then she gives me this notebook. And this is in, in her bag. And she writes down, I know you can't see that, but you, the 23rd Psalm, she writes into this book, which she gave me. And there's a couple pages. Wait a minute, I think I skipped one. Okay, so then she writes in here, I find joy in Jesus. There is nothing better than the Holy Ghost. Um, and then she puts my name. It's like, wow, okay. So I go to the next page. And she says, next time you see me, if you want to ask me about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so wow. This is like amazing. Like I said, 25 years of this school has never, ever happened to me. All right. So, so I thanked her at recess. And we talked some more. And she told me she accepted Jesus as her personal savior one year ago, along with her mother. And after that, what happened was, a lot of times typical of what happens when people try to share the gospel, is she was made fun of by her friends and her family. They, called, they said that she was too holy. So in conclusion, I thought to myself, here is a seventh grader who just accepted Jesus and can't wait to tell everybody. And I myself find it difficult to share my faith with others. So that is my story and uh, from this girl at my school, and thank you for letting me share that story. Hey, now you know how you can pray for Tom, because that's the challenge. How do I live my life so that there might be that conversation open up? What are the words, Lord, do you would have me begin to speak? How can I begin to pray? so that maybe this young lady can share her faith and someone else will come. How can I support her? And, and look how she was supporting this teacher. A seventh grader? What? Yeah, it's great, isn't it? How God works. Maybe you have a situation that can you, you can relate to at your workplace or your front line, whether it's your home, work, the playground, whatever. And how might we pray for you on your front line in days ahead? That's what we want to think about more today. So Jesus is Lord of all. And he's, he's calling us in to live for him. He's given us this high position and called us to be his representatives wherever we go. And he wants us to be Christ-centered. So he says, in everything you do, in the name of the Lord Jesus, and he repeats it again and again, the Lord, whatever you do, the Lord, and it's not us, but it's Christ in us who reveals his glory. I want to take just a quick moment, too, before we hear another testimony today about whole life discipleship. Look at verses 18 through 4.1, and we might be surprised at this. But how do you live for Christ? How do you make good work? And where does God zero in? Right in the home. Now, I want you to know Colossians 
These verses in Colossians are the edited version, and I'm going to refer a little bit to Ephesians chapters 5 and 6 because these twin letters, uh, Paul's more detailed in the letter to the Ephesians in chapters 5 and 6 about home life. But it's interesting to me, it's convicting to me that God zeroes in and do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he zeroes in right to home life. Emphasis in these scriptures. Home life, that's a focus, but it also zeroes in on our duties to one another. Not our rights as followers of Christ, but our duties as followers of Christ to others. And by the way, there's so many commands here or imperatives, which are commands, you know, do this, do this, do this. It's like, oh, I don't want to hear this, but there it are. It's loaded with commands that we are to follow by the power of Christ to begin to live out Christ-likeness on our front lines and the home is one of them. It's also these verses here in Colossians and in Ephesians reveal that there's reciprocal relationships. I have duties to you, you have duties to me. It's not about my rights that I have, but it's about my duties to others. Everyone has a duty to represent Christ well to others. By the way, if you notice when Mary Jo is reading this passage, we have wives and husbands and children, and then there's masters and bond servants or masters and slaves. So our home life looks a little bit different here, but no matter who we are, we can relate to this. There's no masters and slave-servant relationships here today, I hope. But we can relate it by employers and employees. We can take to heart principles here. Certainly if you're single, you may not have a wife or a husband. Maybe there's no kids in your home. Maybe you're empty nesters. Maybe you're a widow or a widower. But still there are principles here for everyone, no matter what age we are, to apply. There's mutual submission. I go to Ephesians chapter 5, and it says this before Paul writes about family life there. He says this in chapter 5, verse 21, before he goes into the family life, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I just want to remind you something. Jesus submitted to his heavenly Father. He walked in this world so he knows what it's like to put yourself under to serve others. Jesus, so it says, wives, submit to your husbands. And it's not my intent today to talk about what that means because that's a whole other sermon series. But husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Sacrifice for his bride. So there's this submission of wives under this headship that God's put in place, but then there's this submission of the husband to love his wife above himself. The way Jesus loved you and me, the church, the people of God, above himself. So he came and served. So he knows what it's like to sacrifice. He submitted to the Father's will. He sacrificed his own life for the benefit of others. Children, obey your parents. Well, Jesus had to obey his parents. Jesus had to obey his father. Jesus had to walk these very things. And Jesus' life was fruitful because it brought the salvation, his submission, 
His sacrifice, his obedience leads to our salvation so that we can walk with God, so that if we live fruitfully and begin to clothe ourselves with Christ's character, we can believe that there will be fruit that will be in God's kingdom, that many will come into the kingdom, or even a few. It doesn't matter about the numbers. It's just living for Christ, and we will see God work glorious things. Light in our homes that will bear fruit for the Lord in f- on the front lines of our neighborhoods. It does matter. There's nothing too small. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Isn't it amazing how we stumble and how we fail to live well in our homes, the place where we take one another for granted, where we forget to forgive, so easy to take advantage of one another. Home, the place where we collect not only the, the good characteristics that shape us, our values, etc., and faith, but we get a lot of baggage too. But it's there that God works and focuses our attention and says, this is a beautiful front line that I want to use for my glory for many to come into our kingdom. I'm going to ask Sherry to come up now. And she's going to share a little bit, maybe not so much about home, but neighborhood front lines and an experience she had. And I think it has to do more with social media relationship. But anyway, I'll let her tell her story. Hi, I'm Sherry. And I enjoy people, food, and sharing about Jesus. Tom did a great job just the way he presented. I'm going to read mine because I can get really long-winded. But this is not a story about so much me, but to tell you about something that God did for me. Over 10 years ago, a lady came to our door introducing herself as my new neighbor and even handed me a Christmas gift. One afternoon, I spontaneously stopped by her house. We chatted nonstop while eating a delicious fish dinner she had prepared for me impromptu. And during that conversation, she cautioned me that if I ever tried to change her religion, we would not be able to continue being friends. I agreed to her terms. Many of our visits centered around enjoying food together and learning new recipes. Sometimes she asked me questions about my faith, and I learned about hers as well. We laughed a lot and loved celebrating each other's birthdays. When rough times came along, I told her that I was praying for her and did my best to be helpful. I wished, though, that she would not see me, but Jesus. We enjoyed a wonderful friendship all these years until a few months ago when we had a falling out. I had unknowingly overstepped the religious boundary she had set. She had made a comment on Facebook, and I, eager to help, impulsively impulsively replied in a private message offering hope in Jesus. I also had questioned something about her faith. She got really upset with me. 
I hadn't realized that in her mind, the boundary included me not even bringing up religion. She also felt like I was trying to pick a fight. I realized that although my intentions had been good, I had offended her. I apologized for my insensitivity and explained that I had misunderstood the boundary. This conversation had happened on the on the phone when she got really upset with me. I also assured her I would not bring God up again, but the damage was done. And now there was a rift between us. The open door of our friendship had slammed shut. I was so sad about this broken relationship that I asked friends to pray that our God would intervene and restore this friendship. I didn't want her to think I was holding a grudge or that she could no, no longer approach me. I wanted her to sense a welcoming spirit so that if she ever did desire to come back to me, she would not fear being rejected. I tried gently breaking the ice by sending her brief text messages and also reactions to her posts on Facebook. There was only a formal response. But one day, I actually got a heart reaction like she used to give. The door was starting to crack open. God was working. When I learned that there had been a hardship in her family, I texted her expressing empathy and a desire to help. She texted back words of appreciation and inquired about our upcoming holiday. The door was opening a little more. Still, we were praying. Christmas Day, our doorbell rang. She had sent one of her kids over with a plate of homemade cookies. I immediately called to thank her, and she was her usual friendly self, letting me know that she and her family had been under a lot of stress the last few months. We made no reference to the unhappy incident between us. The phone call ended very well. And just yesterday, I had the opportunity to apologize in person for having offended her as we met up, sharing cookies and a hug. I am so thankful that God has answered prayer and has opened the door all the way. Hopefully, with God's help, I can be a better friend in the days to come and look more and more like the ultimate friend, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Sherry, for sharing that. Maybe you have a story that you can relate to that as well. It's not like it's over. It's not the happy ending yet, but God's working. And we can continue to pray that way. And that's where we want to go now, the rest of the service. You actually have an assignment. We want to help one another in prayer and through encouraging one another on our front lines. And we want to get to know where our front lines are. So in your bulletins, and by the way, if 
There aren't, there's a few extra green sheets around. There's some up front. Don't hesitate to get up if you need one. We'd like you to start working on your frontline worksheet. Where would be your number uh, one frontline where you feel the most pressure or you're feeling that God, you need help with it or you would like to see God break through in some relationships there, whether it's your neighborhood, where you work, education spot, volunteer work, club, gym, sport, it's on the list. We wanna give you a couple minutes to work on that and then reminding you these tags. Put your top one or two front lines that uh, next week when we pick these up, someone's gonna pray for that front line for you. And if you happen to put your name on that, that's giving the person who picks up that tag they, that gives them permission to look for you and to ask you how we're going and to build a relationship with them. If you'd like to be anonymous, that's fine as well. But I would encourage you, those are at the end of your pew, uh, and we're going to give you a moment when we sing our, during the last song that we sing, to come up front, out of your seats, and just hang these tags on a nail so that we can pray for you. And don't forget to put the town and the state where your front line is. We'd like to see if it's Havertown, Broomall, Fullcroft, Philadelphia, New York City, LA. Maybe that's where your front line is. So we can pray for that. So let's take a few moments and, and you can begin to work on that now. They're gonna play some music to fill in. I'll give you a couple of minutes and then we're gonna sing our closing song. <laughs> 